Romans 8:26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Some translations say with unspoken groanings. Romans 8, 26. I want to ask you a question about um, decisions for the Lord that you've been planning to make. Maybe somebody here You've been planning to uh, start coming to Sunday school. My question here is, what are you waiting on? Somebody here has been planning to start reading your Bible through. You've never read it through. You want to do that. You've been planning to. You just haven't got around it. My question is, what are you waiting on? Maybe somebody here has been planning to tithe and start tithing your income through the, the church to the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you waiting on? Is there somebody in this room who has never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, never confessed him and been baptized as a follower of Jesus? You're planning on it. You haven't done it yet. My question is, what in the Sam Hill are you waiting on? Somebody been planning on joining the church one of these days, you say. And my question is, what are you waiting on? I have a friend who is now in heaven. Larry Kennedy and I were classmates together in New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary many years ago. And uh, Larry told me about the first time that his little son, Steve, attended his very first big church wedding. He's sitting about halfway back in the church with, with his mother. And the side door opened and his father came in. And he's followed by about six or eight handsome young men wearing these tuxedos. They are a good-looking lot, and they line across the front. The bridesmaids come in and take their place. Everybody stands. The bride comes in on her father's arm. And as she's moving slowly down the aisle, little Steve pulls on his mother's arm and says, Mother, does she already know which one of those men she's going to marry? Or is she going to decide when she gets down there? Larry told me that story, and he said, McKeever, you know, you can save yourself a lot of confusion later on in life by making some decisions early. Those of you who gave your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ early as a child, may I say, aren't you glad you did? And now some of us, it's a little late to do that, but you're never going to be any younger than you are right now. It'll never be any earlier than it is now. The Bible says, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. So I have come to stand before you today on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, what are you waiting on? Do it now. Whatever God wants you to do, do it now. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about your prayer life because I'm sure that in a crowd this size, there's some of us who have been unhappy with our prayer life and intending to have one or to pray more effectively or more faithfully. I'm going to tell you something about your prayer life that you didn't know I knew. And when you find out that I know it, you might be a little surprised that I knew this secret about you and your prayer life. And here it is. You don't pray very well. I'm sorry to announce that to the whole world, 
you don't pray very well. And the reason I know this is because Romans 8, 26 says, we do not know how to pray as we should. And if the apostle Paul didn't, it's a lead pipe sense that you and I don't. So let's sort of admit it up front. Okay, I don't pray very well. Lots of times I don't, I'm not really sure what to pray for. And I have to make myself pray lots of times. And even then, I'm not quite sure the best way to go about it. And I often feel guilty that I'm not doing it enough or well enough. So what are we going to do? Go back to Romans 8, 26, please. Notice how this verse starts. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. So if our prayer life is a weakness, and it is, then let's just say up front, the Holy Spirit helps us with our weakness. Now, I want to ask you a question. I have no idea whether Jimbo does this or not, but when a pastor says, when he, when he starts to say, now the Greek word for this is so-and-so, do you groan? <laughs> uh, do you think, oh boy, here it comes. Or, now if you, when I was in college, I would hear a pastor do that, and I loved it, and that's what caused me to study Greek when I went up to seminary. But I want to give you a Greek word here, and, uh, and if, you, if you're writing down, this is one to write down because you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. It's the Greek word that is translated helps. Now, helps is a five-letter word, and we know what it means, but the Greek word translated help is 17 letters. It's the word synantilambanomai. <laughs> well, aren't you excited? It's actually a compound word. You know what a compound word, like campground, camp and ground, or treehouse. You got two nouns and you put them together and make another word. Synantilambanomai is a compound word. The syn, S-Y-N, the prefix means together or with. Uh, synonymous, synonym, sync, in sync. Okay, sin means together or with. Anti, A-N-T-I, we're familiar with that word, means opposite to or in front of. Lambanomai, I'll spell it for you in just a second, those of you writing down. Lambanomai is a form of the Greek word meaning to lift. So S-Y-N, sin, A-N-T-I, anti, lambanomai is L-A-M-B, A-N-O-M-A-I. <laughs> Stop and think. I don't normally do this without looking at it. L-A-M-B-A-N-O-M-A-I. Lambanomai. And it means to lift. Now here's the picture. The Holy Spirit gets on the other side of whatever you're doing here and together with you gets under it and lifts. Now, don't raise your hand on this, but if you made up your bed this morning, if you made it up by yourself, you had to kind of walk around. But if you had somebody on the other side to breathe, you don't even have to move. You men, have you ever pulled a cross-cut saw? Well, have you ever tried to pull one by yourself? But if you've got somebody on the other end, they're opposite to you, they're facing you, and they're working together with you, and this is how it works. So here's what he says. 
In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. So we're serving God, and we have discovered that we are weak. Well, duh. <laughs> we are. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, Not that we are adequate to think anything of ourselves. Our adequacy is of God. You're not adequate. Those of you who are Sunday school teachers, have you ever felt inadequate? Those of you who are pastors, <clears throat> have you ever felt inadequate? Boy, have we ever. How does every Saturday night sound? Whatever you're doing, working with children, teenagers, you, or being a parent, mom or dad, have you ever felt inadequate? The Spirit also helps us in our weakness. The Lord, know, the Lord knows. He knows that we're weak. There's a great verse in Psalm 103, and I always have to look and see. I think it's verse 14, but 100 and Psalm 103. And it's verse 14. It says, For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. God knows that we're made of humble stuff because he's the one who made us. God is under no illusions about you and me, my friend. He knew he got no bargain when he saved you. And when you sin, the only one surprised is you. He's not surprised. He knew what he's got. He is mindful that we're but dust. So, I want you to jettison this perfectionism you put on yourself. Oh, no, I sinned. Listen, he has built a fail-safe method into you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So come back and confess it and thank him for your forgiveness. Well, I don't feel forgiven. Your feelings have nothing to do with it. Your feelings may have something to do with whether you got enough sleep. Pardon me for this one with the time of the month or whether your boss is angry at you, or a thousand other things. Don't run your life by your feelings. Now, he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that he is dealing with humble stuff here. And yet he helps us in our weakness. So he helps us when we pray. Read the rest of, of uh, Romans eight twenty six. He helps us in our prayers because we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In other words, we don't know exactly what he's saying. It's something that's not human language. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. He's not talking about a prayer language you and I do. He's talking about what the Holy Spirit is doing over there. He's interceding for us. Look also at verse 34. Somebody else is interceding for us. Romans 8, 34. Speaks of Jesus Christ, the one who died, who has been raised, who is at the right hand of the, of the Father. And what is he doing there? He is interceding for us. Hey, you, are, you have really won the lottery. You've got the Holy Spirit interceding for you. You've got the Lord Jesus interceding for you. Every time you pray, your prayer is flawed. 
because we are so flawed and the Holy Spirit interprets it into heavenly language and the Lord Jesus does. Maybe he says, Father, here's what they're actually saying. Here's what they actually need. I was in the breakfast room at the hotel this morning being charmed by this little child over there, less than two years old, probably one and a half or something. They said she's beginning to, to talk and say, Mama. And, but just the sound of this child's voice. I have eight grandchildren. The problem is they grow up. My youngest grandchild is about to go into the eighth grade next year. My youngest granddaughter will graduate next year. Got three granddaughters graduating today. I told them I was going to be in Jacksonville. I could not be there for their graduation. They gave each one of them nice checks. And I said, if that's not sufficient, uh, you know, if you're not satisfied with that, give the check back. Nobody has returned it. I love them dearly, but I got to serve the Lord. My wife went to heaven last January, and I was lying there in bed grieving one night. It happened very suddenly. We were not prepared for it. And uh, just a week or two later, I was lying in bed one night, and God spoke to me. I got up and wrote, wrote it down. He said, Margaret's work is finished. Yours continues. Get on with it. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida today, getting on with it. What are you doing? What are you waiting on? Get on with it. Get on with it. Comic character Snuffy Smith used to say, Time's a wasting. It is. You're not getting any younger. And those of you who think, I've got a long life ahead of me, I can do this later on, you don't know, friend. You don't know how long you've got. I love to tell a story about uh, Ty Cobb, the great baseball player, put in 22 years with the Detroit Tigers. He set records, many of which are still on the books. He was that good. But in addition to being one of the great baseball players, he's also one of the surliest, rudest, had a bad attitude. No one much liked him. He's from Georgia, and he, he died of cancer in a little town in Georgia. But a few weeks before he died, he got saved. And, uh, and he sent word to the men he had played baseball with. He said, tell them, fellas, I got in the bottom of the ninth. I sure wish I'd come in the top of the first. Now, let me ask you a question about you. What inning are you in? If you think of life like a nine-inning game, what inning are you in? And the answer is, you don't know. There's no way to know until the game's over and you look back and say, whoa, I was in the bottom of the night. They didn't know it. Now, if you know how long the game lasts, like most ball games, then you can save your best stuff to the last. You're, you have closers, the pitchers, you know, who are hot and come in there and they strike out the other team and you win. But in life, we don't know. You can pick up the Jacksonville paper today, turn to the obituaries. There'll be a lot of them. I guarantee you two things. You'll find somebody there younger than you. And I don't have any way of proving this. But I'd be willing to bet you that a week ago, half of them had no idea that they were going to be making featured appearances on these saddest of all newspaper pages. And what if, what if, what if you and I had talked to them a week ago and we said to them, give your heart to Christ. And suppose they said, I have plenty of time. Why, I'm, I'm young. And they didn't know it was the bottom of the ninth. 
whatever it is God wants you to do. Do it, my friend. Get on with it. I run into people who say, uh, young, young adults are really bad about this. They say, well, we're going to start tithing our income to the Lord and supporting our church just as soon as we get our bills paid and get a little money ahead. And, and if I can get by with it, I'll say, no, you're not. What do you mean you're not? I said, the devil will see to it that you'll never reach that point. Furthermore, God doesn't want it that way. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The, every tither that I've ever met, and I have known thousands of them through the years, they all started tithing when they could not afford it. Nobody has an extra 10% laying around the house. Honey, what should we do with the extra money this month? I know, let's tithe. Nobody does that. And God doesn't want it that way. Those of us who say, as, we're going to start tithing as soon as we get on top of our bills and get a little money ahead. You know what we're saying? We're going to do it as soon as we don't have to do it by faith. And the Lord doesn't want anything that's not a faith. In fact, the Bible actually says, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. He loves it when you and I struggle to do something that he wants us to do. It shows how much we love him and how strongly we believe in him. Now you're sitting in church and the pastor preaches and you know I believe in Jesus. I want to go forward and give my heart to Christ. However, I don't know what to say to the preacher. I don't know what he'll say to me. I don't know whether I'll cry in my mascara. You know, some of you, those of you who wear it you know, spoil the image, and, and I don't know where, what mama will say when she finds out, I don't know what my friends will say, I don't know being, about being baptized, will he drop me, will I drown? I don't know what, uh, how I'll feel tomorrow, I don't know what God will do with me and where he will send me. You don't know any of those things, and it's tough, and you have to decide how much do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really want to confess him before others and stand, before, stand up for him? Or am I going to let all of these negatives stop me? Most of the people around you went through this very decision. I was 11 years old. And those of you who did it, you stepped out in the aisle and you came forward and may I say, aren't you glad you did? And the rest of us, what are you waiting on? Waiting to get younger, prettier, <laughs> stronger, bolder. To get all your questions answered, you'll never get all your questions answered. We walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that means there will always be some unanswered questions. If you have all your questions answered, and all the resources you need, and everybody's on board, you got a 100% vote, and you feel good about it, you're not doing it by faith, you're doing it by sight. And God wants us to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The Bible says three times in the New Testament and one time in the Old Testament, the just shall live by faith. That means, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I still got some unanswered questions. Let's go. Now, when you pray to the Lord, you're praying by faith. And that means a lot of things. For one thing, you're talking to somebody you've never seen and can't even prove he exists. And yet day after day through the years, you pull aside and you tell him the most personal things in your life. 
and you believe that he hears and that he cares and that he will respond and many times will answer positively the request that you have made. But here's the kicker. 90% of the things you pray for, you will never know in this life whether he answered them or not. See what that means. You pray for a child who goes off to school. Let's suppose that today the child has a great day in class and really connects with the teacher. Everybody around him is sleeping in the class. He's really learning, growing. When he, get home, when he gets home from school, the child never says, Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, thanks for praying for me today. I had a great... You know, when you say, How was school? They say, Fine. You don't know. You pray for missionaries. They don't call you and say, Listen, your prayers today made the difference. Today, I was on the highway in northern Italy, and there was an obstacle in the road, and I almost hit it, and the Holy Spirit nudged me as a result of your prayers, and I went around it, and I'm safe. They don't call you because they don't know it was your prayers that did it. And so you never learn that your prayers made the difference. You pray for the president. You do not know what what a difference your prayers made that maybe today is a result of your prayers the president's getting ready to do one thing. Somebody came, comes in with just the right piece of information he needs. He gets this one right for a change. Just smiling. And, and it was your prayers that made the difference. What if you quit praying for the president, for the missionaries, for your children, for your church? Because I don't see that my prayers make any difference. Oh, my friend. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. He knows, he hears, but you have to believe in him. And that's, it all comes down to faith. Prayer is need-driven and faith-powered. The needs will drive you to your knees, and faith will connect you with the heavens. Faith is confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not praying, it's either because you don't have any needs, huh? Everybody has needs. Everybody you know, Randy, has it. Or you don't have any faith. Or you're not using your faith. I suspect for most of us, just a second. We have faith in the Lord Jesus. We're not using it. And brother, what a serious error that is. In a world like ours, if we could make a difference by our prayers and we're not doing it, That is a sin. Pray for your children. It's a different world from the one I came into. When I was a kid in elementary school, the public schools, we had prayers, Christmas observance and all those other things. It's a different world now. Praying for your children and for the schools, some of your teachers, God bless you. Tough. Praying for your pastor and your pastors, plural. The tough life, the demands, the pulls, the temptations, the fatigue, speaking for God. Can you imagine? Pray for your pastors. Pray for yourself. Oh, friend. 
You've got lost friends who need the Lord? Pray for them. Monica Skiles grew up in my church, the church that I pastored for 14 years, across the street from the New Orleans airport. I still belong to it. Um, but I'm retired and I just go everywhere. But Monica grew up in it. And, and as a summer missionary in college, she went off to several places, one summer to Hong Kong, serving the Lord. When she graduated from college with a degree in early childhood education, she applied with the Southern Baptist International Mission Board to be a missionary journeyman. Some of you know that a journeyman is a two-year program for very sharp and godly college students to go overseas and serve as junior missionaries. They serve under the direction of career missionaries, sometimes with youth, sometimes children, uh, sometimes doing other things. Monica was applied for and was appointed to be a a, uh, kindergarten teacher in a little uh, African nation called Tanzania. Now, when you graduate from college, the 160 new journeymen every year, they fly them to Richmond, Virginia. And right outside the city there, there is a, what, what they call a missionary learning center. It's a big campus, like a retreat area. And they spend six weeks out there preparing to live overseas in foreign cultures. And one Saturday, they bust the entire group into Washington, D.C., and drop them off in clusters there, and they give them an assignment. For the next three hours, you're to do four things. You're to observe internationals, eat some international food, talk to some internationals, and bring somebody closer to Jesus. Well, Monica's group was dropped off at Union Station, the wonderful old railroad station there that is still a functioning railroad station, but it's also a shopping destination. It's gloriously beautiful. And they were dropped off, and they found out to go talk to people and see the internationals and so on. Now, Monica had been praying. and She told me this the other day. She said, I've been praying for God to write it in neon that I'm going to Tanzania. I didn't want to go just on a hunch. She said, Lord, I, I really want you to make it clear that you are sending me to Tanzania over there for these two years to work in that Christian kindergarten. Well, two hours into her three hours, Monica was about to panic. She's a, she's a shy person, and uh, she, you know, she's not like some of us. We had gone up, you know, and talked to people right off the bat. But two hours into it, Monica pulled off into a little corner there, and she had a prayer time. She said, Lord, I'm not doing very good. I have seen the internationals. I've eaten their food. I really have not talked to anybody. I certainly have not brought anybody closer to Jesus. Lord, you're just going to have to show me that you really want me to go to Tanzania because right now I'm just so torn. Lord, please show me. She got through praying. She looks down the corridor there, and there is a, there's some tables like you'd have in your fellowship hall with some arts and crafts on them. And there's a tall, statuesque black lady standing behind the table. Monica goes down, nods to the woman, picks up a little item that she recognized. She said, we call it a finger piano. And the woman behind the table told her its African name. The woman said, it's Swahili. It was made in Tanzania. Monica said, oh, I'm going to be moving to Tanzania. The woman said, where will you be moving to? And Monica said, to Dar es Salaam, the capital city. The woman said, I live in Dar es Salaam. What will you be doing there? Monica said, I'll be teaching kindergarten in the Haven of Peace Academy. And the woman said, my two granddaughters go to the Haven of Peace Academy. 
they've come home telling me about Jesus, that he loves me, and that if I should ever get in trouble, I should call on him and that he would hear me. Monica's having industrial straight chill bumps up and down her back. An hour later, when she left the lady to rejoin her group, Monica and the woman had prayed together, and Monica had two letters in her pocket. The woman had sat there and written to her granddaughters for Monica to take with her because Monica would be seeing them before the woman would. And when Monica got to Tanzania, she became the teacher of one of those little girls in kindergarten. What are the chances of that happening accidentally? My friend, people who pray have a lot more coincidences than others. Are you praying? Are you praying for yourself? Are you praying for your children, for your loved ones? Are you praying for people in your life who need to know the Lord? And will you keep doing it? Is anybody praying for America? Dear friends, somebody needs to be praying for America. Praying for your church, for your pastor, and for whatever else and whoever else God lays on your heart. In a few moments, not yet, in a few moments, during the invitation time, I'm going to invite many of you just to join us at the altar here, and let's pray for whatever or whoever God has laid on our hearts. You're the one who knows. I always pray before I come, Lord, what I need to preach on, and would you prepare the people for whom this message is given? You're the one who knows. I love it when somebody comes to me after service and said, that was for me. And I, well, you, know what I, you, know, you know what I think? I think, I don't say this, I think, you ought to be so honored that God loves you enough that he sent this preacher over, in this case, 600 miles, with a message from him for you. If it's got your name on it, and you know this is for you, oh, friend, not only should you be honored, you ought to be obeying. Today, if you hear his voice, the Bible says, harden not your heart. But when we say, well, I'm going to do it one of these days, we're hardening our heart. We are. You know, if you were 10 years old, and your mother came into the bedroom and said, look at this place, it looks like a pig pen in here. Get up right now and clean it up. And you said, I will one of these days. Is that hardening your heart? Is that rebelling? It is indeed, and mother knows it. You might try saying to her what some people say to the preacher, I'll do it when I get the feeling. She'll give you the feeling. When we tell God, when God tells us to do something, and we say, I'm going to do it one of these days, that is rebellion. So the Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now is accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Now, if you're not able to kneel here at the front, this is a great place to kneel. Stand here and pray, or sit on the front pew. When you finish, you can go back to your seat. Or if you want to share with Jimbo, you can do that. Somebody in this room has never given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus, or maybe you have privately but not publicly, and today God has spoken to your heart and said, this is it. This is your time. I ask you to come. Come to the pastor and say, I'm ready. You can say that, I'm ready. If you've already been saved, you belong to another church somewhere, but you know God wants you here, 
I'm going to ask you to come. Tell him then. Tell him, Lord wants us to join this church. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're not going to sing. We have some music up here. Uh, Caleb will lead us or do whatever he wants to. But I'm going to ask you to pray. I want you to stand with us, please. Just stand where you are. Bow your heads with us. Let me lead the prayer. Jimbo, if you get in place. and Our musicians. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for wanting us. The very idea, because we are so unworthy. We are of dust, and yet you want us and redeem us and you use us. How wonderful you are. Oh, Father, help, help us to be people of prayer, people of faith, and people of obedience. Many of us want to come and pray. Give us the courage to do that. I have no idea why. It does good just to walk the aisle and kneel here and pray, but I just know it does. Lord, give us the courage right now. Somebody needs to confess Jesus as Savior. Give them that courage, Lord. Draw them to Jesus, we pray.